This morning I'm going to begin in 1 Kings chapter 20. First Kings chapter 20. Uh, verses 1 to 5 we'll read. Uh, I'm sorry, not 1 to 5. 1 to... It says 1 to 5 here, but it's... Uh, One to six. One to six. Yes. Now Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his forces together. Thirty-two kings were with him, with horses and chariots. And when, excuse me, and he went up and besieged Samaria and made war against it. Then he sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, Thus says Ben-Hadad, Your silver and your gold are mine. Your loveliest wives and children are mine. And the king of Israel answered and said, O Lord, my king, just as you say, and I, excuse me, I and all I have are yours. Then the messengers came back and said, Thus speaks Ben-Hadad, saying, Indeed, I have sent to you, saying, You shall deliver me your silver and your gold, your wives and your children. But I will send my servants to you tomorrow about this time, and they shall search your house and the houses of your servants. And it shall be that whatever is pleasant in your eyes, they will put it in their hands and take it. In this passage, in this story, you have two evil kings. You have uh, Benadad, king of Syria, and then you have the king of Israel, uh, Ahab. And so, but you see here that in this story, there is a demand of one king who is, has, at least he thinks, superiority over the other king in the other country. And he says, all right, give me everything you own, all your, your, your gold and silver, your wives, your children. I want all of it. And he says, okay, because the King Ahab, he kind of knows that he's in a bad place and he's outnumbered and everything. He says, okay, I'll, I'll give you what you want. And he says, oh, that's great. The king sends, King Benedad says, oh, yeah, that's great. He says, but uh, I want more. He says, anything and everything that you have, I'm going to send my servants. Anything that I, I like, I'm going to take from you. And, uh, and then, uh, of course, it ends up starting. What ended up being a war. But you see... In this story, that there is uh, a demand of complete surrender, of total surrender, where it's like everything and anything that I say, you know, that's what I want. I want you to give me everything. And from this story, that we understand a little something about what it means total surrender means. And so from that, we go to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, as we think about that story. Luke, chapter, chapter 14, beginning in 
verse 15 to 
with the world, and they they excuse themselves, and so they're not going to come to this supper, and so the master of the of the supper sends for other people, and finally to fill his house. He says, "For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper." And then he says in verse twenty six. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his, and he goes through all these family members, and in a, in a similar passage, he says, if anyone loves any of these family members, father, mother, sister, brother, children, uh, or any, or his own life cannot be my disciple. If they love anyone else more than him. So, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The cross is about suffering. Jesus carried his cross to Calvary, and he calls us to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow him. And so, Jesus begins to reveal that there is a cost for following him. And he begins to reveal that it's like a man who's going to build a house. He's got to sit down first, and figure out if he has enough money and enough supplies to build the house. He says, otherwise he's going to start building. He's not going to have enough to finish. And those people are going to be mocking. And there's been many examples of people who begin in Christ but don't continue. As we read in the, the parable of the sower and the soil, Jesus talked about those who believe for a time. But in a time of testing and persecution, they they turn away. So these are the words of Jesus. And when we say, well, counting the cost, what is the cost? And so Jesus tells us what the cost is in this passage. He says, everything else has to be uh, secondary to him. Our priorities, our decisions our whole life is about living for him because he bought us with a price he died for all and those who live should not live for themselves but for him who died and rose from the grave as extreme as this may sound this is the words of the new testament and some may want to shrink back from that but that is the cost that jesus talks about whoever does not bear his cross and come after me will not be my disciple. Disciple means a follower of his. And then he says again in verse 33, so likewise, whoever you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now some would interpret that that means you have to sell every piece of everything you belong to and you have to go live in the wilderness somewhere in a, in a, you know, under in a mountain, a cave in a mountain or something like that. And for most people, I would, we would say, well, forsaking all, just like we talked about last week, this is all about the matter of the heart. Our hearts, where are our hearts at? That everything else has to be secondary. You know, we have what we want to do, 
we have our way, our will, our thinking, that all must come secondary to God's will, God's way, the life of Jesus, and no matter what the cost is. That's why he says to count the cost. The cost is total surrender of our life. Just like we hear Benadad and, and Ahab going back and forth. You know, Ahab's, okay, I'll give you this much. And then he says, oh no, I want more. I want everything that I see that I like. And if you read further in that story, I didn't read it all, but what you read further in the story is, is that Ahab says, nah, nah. The first thing you ask for, I'll do it, but the second, that's too much. And then they went to war with each other. And because the king, one king was only willing to surrender so much to the other king. And, and they I said, this far and that's it. I think that each of us understands and knows that inside of us there's areas of our life where God is saying, you know, uh, you need to change in these areas. You need to change your priorities. You need a revival in your life. And sometimes, and I'm speaking from personal experience, you resist those things. And those things in our hearts. And then God begins to, you know, work with us and show us and deal with us and so forth. And uh, because he wants us to surrender areas of our life. And one of the reasons why we don't want to commit to changing one of those is because we don't want to. Our natural man doesn't want to love people that are mean to us. Our natural man doesn't want to give up certain hobbies or or diff this or that or the other thing, material things or that are certain things that God says, you know, you got to let go of. And our human nature gets in the way of that. That's true. But there's another thing that stops us from surrender, is that we don't know how to surrender. We don't know how in the world we could possibly surrender certain areas of our life that we know as we read the Word of God need to change. You know, making time to serve God, making time to seek God, seeking God in prayer, having more time with Him. You know, all these different things. How in the world can... I know that's what I should be doing, but how in the world can I do that? We sang a song today. I think it was one of the last ones we sang, maybe the last one. It's talking about nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so the Christian must always remember where they came from. Where deliverance, where salvation, where the new life began. It began at the cross. Deliverance came from the blood of Jesus. Power over sin came through the blood of Jesus. And so, all the things that God directs us through His Holy Spirit, we read it in His Word, and we're like, we begin to choke at it. Like, oh, you know, how can I do that? I don't know how I can do it. And we get discouraged. And we we kind of back, we get kind of get tight inside, and maybe we resist some of the areas we need to surrender in. But the answer is always the same. We must take a step of faith. We must walk on the water. We must believe the word that we read about Jesus and about the blood of Jesus. 
that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to change us, to cleanse us, and to make us the person he wants to be, us to be. And to surrender the areas of our life that we have a death grip on, so to speak. That we don't want to let go of out of fear, out of discouragement, out of struggles with our human nature. There's all kinds of things. The blood of Jesus breaks every yoke of bondage. Every hold of the flesh. It is a step of faith to believe we, we sing the song sometimes uh, about what can make me, um, or what can deliver me from my passion and my pride. You know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, or uh, there's power in the blood of Jesus. I think is the song. We look to the power of Jesus through his blood. And that power is given to us through faith in what he's done. That the blood of Jesus, not only for we have forgiveness of sins, deliverance from sin, power over temptation, but power to live the new life. He's given us his nature. He's given us his spirit so that we are empowered to walk the life of Christ. Now, I can tell you from personal experience that it's a lot easier to, to talk about this than to live it. It's easier to preach it than to live it. It's either easier to discuss it and to study it and to read it than to live it. Because living it means walking in what we believe, in what we talk about, living the way we talk, living about the things that we believe in our hearts, living it out. And in order to live it out, there comes these words that Jesus talks about, self-denial, picking up our cross. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and its desires, its lusts. It's not unusual what we're going through. It's not just something strange that only we are individually are going through. Peter says that the same things are going on through all of our brothers and sisters throughout the world. It's not something that's unique to just one, any one of us. It's something, it is a common struggle to every Christian. That's why it is addressed to every Christian. So, the understanding that we get from this is that the excuses that these people make so they don't come to be with the Lord in this supper it's all just common busyness of the world. It says, uh, 
They make excuses. I bought a piece of ground. I got to go see it. I got five yoke, uh, five, five ox. I got to go try them out. I just married a wife, so I'm too busy. I can't come. And uh, so the excuses that they make are just the affairs of this life. And Jesus said that the affair, just one of the things that choke out the word of God is just the cares of this life. And it's very insidious and very uh, tricky, I should say. The next one we read is in uh, Matthew chapter 13, which is a chapter of parables. Matthew 13, 44. <clears throat> Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. In both of these short parables, Jesus is saying the same thing. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And he says, he talks about, first of all, a man who finds a treasure in a field, and he sells out completely everything that he has to buy that field with the treasures in. You know, he wants that field because there's a treasure in that field. And so he buys, he sells everything that he has. Now, this is not talking about money here. This is talking about the kingdom of God. And the second one is, is just like it. Man finds a, he's a, a, a pearl merchant, and he finds a pearl that's of great price, more valuable than anything he's ever seen, and he sells everything he has for just that one pearl. Now, he's a merchant, so he, he knows what he's looking at. And he sees this one and sees how valuable it is, and he sells everything just to get that one. He knows how valuable it is. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like that. That when you see that treasure, you surrender everything for that treasure. This is the attitude of the heart. This is much deeper than everything on the outside. Certainly Jesus was not commanding us for all of us to sell our houses and our fields and our cars and everything that we own and so that we can enter the kingdom of heaven. This is much deeper than on the outside. This is something on the inside of a man or woman. Of a boy or a girl. It is a call to surrender our hearts. Because if we surrender our hearts, it's going to affect everything else. As a person is in their heart, so thinks in their heart, so they are. I think we read that a few weeks ago. And so, the conversion, the change of heart, about the demand of Jesus, in this parable, is about surrendering our hearts to Him. 
And we think of surrendering our hearts as just an emotional surrender. Oh no. This is from our hearts surrendering our life to Him. That we should not live for ourselves, but for Him who died and rose again. We're in Corinthians, also in Corinthians, where it says, <clears throat> Know that you're not your own. You are the temple of God. Know you're, you're, you're not your own. That you don't belong to yourselves. But that you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God and in your hearts, in your, in your minds, and in your hearts, in your body. We were bought with a price. That's the message. We were bought. And we no longer belong to ourselves. And this process of surrender, I know for many of us, we have an experience where we come to believe the gospel and we surrender. And there's a change of mind, there's a change of heart, there's a change in the way we live to some degree. But you know, as we draw closer to God, uh, God puts His hunger in our hearts. And if we listen to that hunger and we try to feed that hunger and we try to draw close to Him, you know, in the Gospel of John it says, light exposes darkness. The closer we come to the Lord, closer we come to that light, it's going to expose more darkness in areas of our life that we didn't realize. And I can say for sure that there was areas of my life that when I first came to the Lord, I didn't even have any sensitivity. Didn't, know it. Didn't, even, didn't even realize a lot of things, you know? I still thought it was okay to blow up on people and, 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 and lose my temper if, if it was, you know, for certain reasons, you know? If, it was, if somebody really wronged me, and boy, <laughs> I have a lot to learn. And so, as we grow in Christ, God begins to reveal to us different areas of our life. And then, there's new surrenders. Um, that's why, uh, I remember the one song that talks about, Morning by morning, new mercies I see. I forget the name of the song. But, you know, we need new mercies every day. From the book of Jeremiah, it says God's mercies are new every day. Because God reveals to us areas as we, can, as we continue in Him, as we grow in Him, that we need to repent, we need to change, we need to surrender to Him. So, Dave, if we could read uh, chap Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 to 39. Matthew 10. <clears throat> A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a, and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. 
and whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father, who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father, who is in heaven. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, you, you read a similar message from Jesus in here. And here he begins this passage talking about being persecuted like he was. There have been Christians who I've talked to have said, you know, if I was really persecuted, I don't know if I could withstand persecution. And so, there are a lot of fears that the Christian is confronted with like this. And again, there is the message of faith in this. Faith in a God who has adopted us as his children. A Father who has adopted us as his children. And will give us everything that we need. And he will empower us. So, well, you know, I have a lot of these fears that still plague me. And that's where we have to, again, confront these things and take that step of faith and have faith in the blood of Jesus to change us. We don't have these things naturally. Of course, naturally, we fear those who can hurt the body. <laughs> it's natural for us to fear that. So... We have to, God has to bring us to a higher place, a higher plane than I have found. Or plant my feet on higher ground. We need to grow, we need to change. We need to put our faith in the blood of Jesus for those changes in our life. Instead of just dismissing them and say, well, you know, and just give in to our human nature. Talks about confessing him before people. And talks about, as we mentioned earlier, about loving father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, or son and daughter more than me. The priority of Jesus being our first love, like he talked about in the, the, the letter to the church of the Ephesians in the book of Revelation, where he talked about that church had left its first love. Other loves had taken its place. Jesus calls us 
into this relationship with Him, for Him to be our first love. That is, He says, he who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life, for my sake, will find it. The life of Jesus is a life of surrender, of crucifixion, of suffering, of self-denial. There's no doubt about it when we read the words of Jesus. Unpopular, yes. Makes us feel uncomfortable, squirm, you know, feel unrest inside, yes. And that is part of the process. Of course it makes us feel uncomfortable. Because our human nature doesn't embrace these things. And that's why <clears throat> Jesus says we must take up our cross. We have been crucified with Christ, Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ now lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The life that I now live, I live by faith. Faith in the blood of Jesus. Faith in the power of God. Faith in the, in the, in the change that he's made in my heart. Faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. That lives within me. So before I close, I want to think about people that were converted. Examples of people that were converted. We talk about Zacchaeus. The tax collector. Who Jesus said, today I'm going to come to your house. Come down from that tree, I'm going to Come to your house today and have supper with you. And Zacchaeus makes a great feast for him. And in the middle of it, he says, Lord, he says, if I rip, the, if I, uh, I'm going to give half of what I own to the poor. He was a cheater. He cheated people. Tax collector. He says, and of those I cheated, I'm going to pay him back four times as much as I cheated him. And Jesus' response to him was, um, Today salvation has come to this house. A change of heart is what happened to Zacchaeus. Levi, Jesus called him. Levi, Matthew. He left his business behind, lucrative business, made a feast for Jesus, became one of the twelve apostles. Peter and Andrew, James and John, the brothers, the two sets of brothers that worked with their fathers in a business. They ran a business, fishing business. They forsook their father's business. They left their boats. They left their nets. And they came and followed Jesus and became apostles. In the book of Acts... We hear about the complete change of heart of one Saul of Tarsus when he had a confrontation with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And it says that after he received his sight, he immediately went into the synagogue and began to preach that Jesus was the Christ. 
There was a preacher a hundred some years ago that was asked this question. What is the number one need of the church of Jesus Christ today? This is over a hundred years ago. And his answer was very simple. Complete surrender. Absolute surrender. To the call of Jesus. It's no different today. It's the number one need of any, every generation. Jesus said it. Forsake all and follow me. Surrender. And each of us has to come to the place ourselves. I mean, we can sit here and talk about it. And we can read it and talk about it. But each of us as individuals has to come to a place of understanding what Jesus meant when he talked about forsaking all and following him. And we can, like I said, we can talk about it, but each of us has to examine ourselves, examine our hearts. Is there areas of my life that I'm not surrendered to Jesus Christ? Or maybe I'm not surrendered to him at all because it just seems so overwhelming. The blood of Jesus cleanses and breaks every yoke of bondage. Cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Puts us on the road to eternal life, that straight and narrow road. Empowers us to do that. The power to love. The power to control ourselves. To have stability of mind. It's all there, laid out for us. And that preacher talked about how some were, will, were not willing to completely surrender. They were holding back. Not willing to surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit. To surrender to walking in the Spirit. Refused to surrender to the love of Christ. To those who wrong them. The love of Christ that was shed abroad in our hearts. He talked about the refusal... Of those who let go of things, hobbies, entertainments, activities, self-seeking, business, cares of this world and life that were interfering, that were preventing absolute surrender to Jesus. Putting Jesus and surrendering to him first in their life. Each of us has to sort this out for themselves. And it's interesting that this message was over a hundred years old. But it's the same message as today, it's the same message that Jesus preached 2,000 years ago. That message still rings true today in 2021. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 19, the church at Ephesus... There was a great conversion of believers in the city of Ephesus. And it says that after they believed in Christ, that they took all these books that they had about black magic and sorcery and all these different books, they put them in a big pile in the town, in the city of Ephesus, and they set them on fire. And they said the worth of that of all those books was 50,000 pieces of silver. The king's ransom. And they just burn it up. They didn't care what it was worth. It was the things as well. They didn't care. They were surrendering to Jesus. They understood that. The apostles taught them that. Jesus taught them those things. 
And now they understood what is first in a person's life. Now a young person may say, well, you know, I don't know how to go forward in my life. You know, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I don't know how to set my life in order. What am I going to do? What am I going to be? What, you know, all these different questions. How am I going to be able to afford a family? How am I going to afford, you know, uh, my own place? All these different things, you know, that just come at, come at you. The message comes from Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways. He will direct your path. He will direct your life. And I mentioned this is a message for young people. It's a message for everybody. To just acknowledge Him in areas we're not surrendering. Acknowledge Him. I don't know how to do these things, Lord. Show me. You know, give me the, the will and the power and all these things I need to just surrender my life to you and just have a complete and total surrendering of my life. Some of us recognize that this has been an issue, that's been an ongoing issue in our life. Others may not recognize it. <clears throat> I think no matter how long you are a Christian, you recognize that God is speaking to us about areas that need to change, need to be refined, need to grow, need to repent. The Holy Spirit has been put in our hearts to continue to grow us into the image of Christ day by day. Change day by day into the into the image of His Son. So that's what I have to share today. Uh, I want to encourage your other brothers, Ben, Dan, Dave. If you uh, 